Blog Talk Radio. Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, you know, it helps if you push the right button at the beginning of the program, especially if you're starting the music manually, which I don't usually have to do, but I did today. And... Of course, as you may have noticed, press the button for the music that comes on at the end of the program rather than the beginning. So um, we are off to a uh, rousing start here. You've had more music now than uh, you were supposed to. But uh, welcome to the program. Um, I am so happy to be doing this again. Uh, The school year has begun. Um, Summer's done. The air is crisp. Time to kick back and uh, think about how things are going in your household with your challenging kid, whether you are a uh, newcomer to uh, collaborative problem solving or an old hand. Um, Challenging kids always have uh, surprises in store and always make life interesting for us. So um, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. Uh, As I always say, these are your 45 minutes. Um, If you've uh, got a challenging kid whose difficulties are not yet well understood, if uh, you're having trouble with any aspect of doing Plan B or having trouble understanding what Plan B is supposed to be or working with a kid at home who's not responding very well to Plan B or running into trouble getting the folks at school to use collaborative problem solving and view your kid through the same lenses as you are now or having trouble getting your co-parent or the grandparents or the hockey coaches to buy in, Um, This is your opportunity to call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need, or or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. If you do want to call in, um, once again, the call-in number is 347-994-2981, 347-994-2981. As always, uh, calls get top priority uh, on the program, Uh, whatever I'm talking about uh, you calling in with a question or comment or concern, uh, that's going to take top billing. We'll stop what we're doing um, for callers. Um, if you're hesitant to call in but you still want to ask a question or make a comment, you can do that electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. And uh, that website, of course, is www.livesinthebalance.org. Um, 
So what do you have on your mind uh, these days now that the summer's over? There's some families uh, that I'm working with these days who are um, uh, doing much better now that uh, school has started because, um, well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. I don't know which cliche we want to use, but uh, some families, when there's a challenging kid in the mix, uh, all that togetherness over the summer is not necessarily what the doctor ordered. Uh, on the other hand, uh, so some families are um, taking a deep breath here and uh, uh, pulling it back together after a summer of too much togetherness. And uh, other uh, families are... Um, well, just as pleased as they can be that uh, all that togetherness isn't happening anymore. Yet other families, though, are uh, struggling because school presents their kids with the greatest challenges. And now that school has begun again, all of the unsolved problems that were occurring at school that are still unsolved are now, uh, well, they're being reminded of those yet again. Unsolved problems don't go away. I'm often asked if things will get better through maturation or through time and I don't I don't really rely too heavily on maturation or time I find that the unsolved problems that uh, were in place at the end of one school year are still there in the pile of unsolved problems at the beginning of the next um, maturation is a wonderful thing but I don't rely on maturation as the means through which problems are going to get solved I rely on collaborative problem-solving as the means through which problems are going to get solved. Um, but if, if you don't want to call in uh, and want to send me a question electronically, just go to the Lives in the Balance website, www.livesinthebalance.org, and um, click on the contact form, and you can uh, send me an email that way. By the way, a, a neat feature that we're going to have on this program, the first Tuesday of every month, we're going to have our parents' panel we're going to be joined by uh, four moms. I might see if I can find a dad to throw into the mix as well, but at the moment we have four moms who are going to be joining me every Tuesday, uh, on uh, the first Tuesday of every month, our, our parents' panel, uh, just to talk about what's going on with their challenging kids. We've got a few moms who are still in the midst of having challenges with their kids and still uh, bravely and valiantly implementing Plan B, um, seeing where it takes them. And uh, we're going to have some moms who uh, have been through it already, um, lived to tell the tale, and um, can offer us that perspective as well. So um, that's going to be an interesting feature. On my educators program, we're going to have the same thing. I'm just not sure which program during the month it's going to be. And... Um, haven't quite lined that up to the degree that I have the parents' panel yet. Uh, but it's nice to be back with you uh, talking about collaborative problem solving. And um, I've received a ton of uh, email over the summer from people who wanted their questions asked, answered. And as you know, I, I saved those. Um, and so uh thought that uh, this being the first show and um, – Maybe people not even knowing that the program is back on again. Um, that's what happens when you take the summer off. You do that at some risk um, that people will forget that the program's on. But uh, I do Twitter. This is the only thing I use Twitter for. Uh, my attitude is my life 
neither my professional life nor my personal life is so fascinating that I have something to Twitter very often. Um, and uh, whatever I would want to Twitter from either of those lives would be a lot longer than 140 characters, which is all Twitter permits. So, um, uh, geez, I wish my life was that interesting, both professionally and personally. Um, so uh, the only thing I use Twitter for is to let people know that uh, the program is back up. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, as it's known, um, number one, there's not going to be a whole lot to follow, but number two... Um, all you're going to be following is me reminding you that the program's back on. Um, if only I remembered to turn my cell phone off before every program, we'd be in good shape. But I'm going to uh, turn to the email for today's program. Uh, if we get a caller, we'll take it. But if we don't, uh, we're going to pretend that these people have called in. There's no give and take if you email in a message but, uh, or a question. But uh, here's a mom. And this is nice feedback in the beginning. Um, but uh, th this sort of is what gets me juiced and uh, is a lot of the energy behind what Lives in the Balance is trying to do. Oh, by the way, another reminder, and far more important than following me on Twitter, is signing up for the uh, email newsletter of Lives in the Balance. If you haven't done that already, uh, yes, it's true. If you've done it already, you haven't gotten an email, but uh, you will be getting um, something very soon because uh, Lives in the Balance is, um, and it took a little time to get this up and running, but Lives in the Balance is uh, getting geared up to galvanize people, to advocate on behalf of kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges and their caregivers. And um, boy, do we have a lot planned. But um, I've been saying that for a little while. Um, a lot of what we have planned uh, depends on the time that I have to devote to it. And finally, at long last, I am starting once again um, to have the time to devote to it. And uh, it's number one on my list. Unfortunately, I don't always get to number one on my list. Sometimes three, four, and five uh, take my attention away. But number one on my list is organizing people to advocate on behalf of challenging kids and their caregivers. Sign up for the Lives in the Balance newsletter so that you are not only abreast of what Lives in the Balance is doing, but are actively involved in um, spreading the word about collaborative problem solving, helping people see kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges through more compassionate, more accurate, more productive lenses. Um, we're going to have lots for you to do in your community. Um, so stay tuned, but definitely sign up for the newsletter. Here's um, the email. Hi there. Thank God I found this website. I think she's referring to the Lives in the Balance website here. I am losing my mind trying to deal with my daughter's challenging behavior. She's seven. My realization, and isn't it cool, this is me talking now, not the email, isn't it cool that um, this was accomplished through the website? Because the website's free. Um, you know, when I wrote The Explosive Child, when I wrote Lost at School, I was thinking, uh, let me put as many ideas in here as I possibly can and see what kind of good it does. And, of course, for the last 12 years, I've been learning what kind of good The Explosive Child has done. And over the last two years, I've been getting just wonderful feedback from people about how they're using Lives in the Balance in their schools and how parents are giving Lives in the Balance, uh, excuse me, Lost at School, uh, to people at school and uh, how it has set the stage for a lot of productive stuff to happen with challenging kids at school. And yet, clearly books are not the only way to get the job done. 
and uh, DVDs are not the only way to get the job done. You know, those are in the mix as well. But isn't it cool for me, maybe not for you, definitely for me, it is so cool that there is a website that is also getting the job done, and it's free, and no one's getting asked to buy anything, and no one's being asked for any money. Caller, we do have a caller from area code 201. Um, I'm going to put you on the air in just a second. I'm going to remain true to my word, but uh, now that we're in the middle of this email, let's finish this one, and then we'll take your call. This mom is saying, my realization is that I've been using Plan A. And in retrospect, you are right. It has made for more of the behaviors that I've been trying to avoid. Well, that's, that's what Plan A often does. This is me talking again. Plan A, imposing your will on a kid who doesn't have the skills to handle you imposing your will, doesn't teach these kids any of the skills that they're lacking, and doesn't help them solve any of the unsolved problems that have been reliably and predictably setting in motion their challenging episodes. Plan A doesn't do that. Plan A throws fuel on the fire. One of the important things Lives in the Balance tries to do, as well as collaborative problem solving, is help people understand they don't need Plan A anywhere nearly as badly as they thought they did. The reason adults use Plan A is because they had concerns that they wanted to make sure got addressed. And um, the more people learn that you can get those very same concerns addressed using Plan B, but with only upside compared to the downside of Plan A, well, that's then the only thing left once people realize that is getting good at Plan B. And, of course, that's the hard part. What's the upside of Plan B? Uh, your concerns still get addressed, just like with Plan A. But we learn about the kids' concerns, and we make sure that the kids' concerns get addressed. And in the process, we're communicating, and we are rebuilding a relationship with this kid because Plan A is not a relationship-building intervention. And problems are getting solved durably, and challenging behavior is being reduced. There's only upside when you're using Plan B. The hard part is getting good at it. Now I'm going to continue with the email. My other realization is that I, too, this is the mom talking, have skill deficits, and I realize that I did not learn the social, emotional, and behavioral skills that I needed to navigate life. In parentheses, there's a trail of evidence that is 35-plus years long to prove it. So how do I teach the skills that I myself am lacking? Will collaborative problem-solving help us both to adapt and grow? Well, yes. But remember, when you're using Plan B, you are focused primarily on unsolved problems. And it is through solving those problems collaboratively that skills are being taught. The skills are being taught more indirectly most of the time. Um, there's a lot of skills that kids learn when they're doing the empathy step, when you're doing the empathy step. They're learning how to think about and organize what their concerns are. They're learning how to articulate those concerns. Uh, in the define the problem step, they're learning how to take somebody else's concerns into account they're learning empathy. They're learning taking another person's perspective. I'm, I'm not being exhaustive here on all the skills that Plan B is teaching, by the way. In the invitation where you're brainstorming solutions so as to try to address the concerns of both parties and come up with a solution that's going to be durable and realistic and mutually satisfactory, the kid is learning how to think in a grayer way, how to move off of black and white rigid thinking, 
come up with solutions that take another person's concerns into account, project those solutions into the future so as to evaluate likely outcomes and pick the best one. Um, wow, it's a lot of skills that are being taught when to kids when you're using Plan B, but guess who else is learning those skills when you're learning Plan B? The adult who's doing Plan B with the kid. The adult is learning how to empathize, drill for information, articulate their own concerns, figure out what those concerns are, generate solutions, generate more solutions if the first solutions don't quite get the job done. Take another person's perspective in generating solutions. Project those solutions. Boy, I'm repeating myself here. The very same skills that a kid is learning when you're doing Plan B are the skills that adults are learning too. So, Mom, I'm glad you found the website too. And um, I hope if you've been doing Plan B for a while now, this email was sent to me over the summer, I hope you're not feeling like you're losing your mind anymore. I'm glad you know that Plan A is like throwing fuel on the fire. But I also hope you now know that the way most of the skills that your daughter and you are lacking is through doing collaborative problem solving and solving problems together. All right. Now, you know, I haven't brought somebody on the air in a very long time. I hope I remember how technically all i got to do is click here. But let's, let's see who we've got here from area code 201. Uh, you're now on the air with collaborative problem solving at home. Hello? Hi, Dr. Green. How are How you? How are you? Um, I want to remind I've been better. <laughs> okay, I want to remind you, don't use any identifying information, but let's see if we can help here. What you got going okay. on? That would be terrific. Um, I actually have an 11-year-old son who um, we discovered your work because of him about three years ago because of um, explosive behavior. And um, I've I, I read all of your books, and I visit your website frequently, and I completely understand he has many, many lagging skills, almost uh, all of them on the list, but not quite all. And um, we have a huge list of unsolved problems. Um, the biggest one we're dealing with right now is actually school avoidance. We can't get him to school on most days. Uh, my, well, let me so just tell you a little school, bit more. Attending school, is that what you said? Yes, attending school, getting to school, okay. yes. Um, so as a family, um, we've become very, very good at plant B <laughs> because that's reduced the number of explosions. Um, and we're also, you know, quite good at A when we need to use it. However, for some reason, after three years, we still cannot seem to get plan B moving at all. Um, on occasion, believe it or not, when we are in emergency plan B, because my son wants to kind of gain access to something that we are trying to block. Uh, we can get him to, to talk a lot, and he'll, he'll try to talk, and he'll try to negotiate, and he'll almost try to stay calm and, and work it through. However, any of our other unsolved problems, which, you know, the school avoidance is the biggest, um, but we have going to bed, waking up in the morning, eating habits, coming in for meals, homework, um, those are the biggies. Um, when we attempt to talk to him, and even if we get we begin with reassurance, you know, we, we, we just want to talk about this. You're not in trouble. We're not mad at you. We're just trying to understand what's going on for you. Um, I've noticed that, you know, you haven't been going to bed until 1 o'clock. And the most we might get from him is, well, that's my normal bedtime, you know, and um, he, he'll walk away or he'll, you know, start to kind of roll around on the floor and not want to talk. 
and we just can't seem to get him talking about anything other than, like I said, in, when we're in emergency plan B. Okay. So <laughs> um, a few of the things you said confused me a little. Let me clarify a few. Okay. Ready? Yes. You said that you all have gotten really good at plan B. No, plan C. Plan C. Yes. Ah. We're plan C professionals here. You have become plan C professionals. And for those, um, uh, that's that's not going to get the job done as you've you've learned. Um, So you've become plan C professionals, which is, you know, one of the big misconceptions about collaborative problem solving is that um, it's mostly about plan C. But as you clearly realize, collaborative problem solving is about plan B. Yes. And plan C means that you've decided to drop an unsolved problem, which now that I heard, I, I didn't hear the C part. I, heard, I thought I heard you say you've become really skilled at plan B, which made me wonder why, after three years of being highly skilled at plan B, but really plan C, uh, right. you still have such a big pile of unsolved problems. But I now understand that uh, if you use plan C on that big pile of unsolved problems, well, that's exactly right. None of them are going to get solved. Yes? And yeah, it sounds absolutely. like sounds like the reason you've been doing Plan C is because you've been having trouble getting your son to engage in Plan B. Yes? Yes. Here's my next question, before I get to the really hard question. Um, okay. But my next question is, it sounds like, well, what, I, I, don't, I actually don't have a great sense for what it sounds like. Are you doing, when you're saying that he won't engage, is that mm-hmm. primarily when you're doing proactive Plan B or emergency Plan B? No, proactive is when he is, believe it or not, I know it's not typical, is less likely to engage. Well, and I I don't have any trouble believing that. Now, all right, so we've gotten our most important thing squared away, and that is um, you you greatly reduce the likelihood of a kid talking, and this does not apply to you, but you greatly reduce the likelihood of a kid talking in many circumstances, not all, when you're doing Plan B emergently rather than proactively. Um, emergency plan B has a bunch of ingredients added to it that tend, once again, not always, but tend not to be conducive to getting the information you're looking for from a kid in the empathy step, namely heat. He's hot. A lot lot of kids um, shut down when they get hot rather than giving you the information that you're looking for. And often emergency B has time pressures associated with it, but that's not what you're talking about. So good, I'm glad we've ruled that out. You're having trouble getting your son to engage with you in proactive plan B, yes? Yes, yes. Tell me your theories about why that might be, because naturally, I've never met him, nor you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any Um, hypotheses about why? Because this is not an uncommon scenario. It's the hardest part for many people when they run into a kid who now they're trying to do proactive B finally. They've got the right lenses on. They've, they think they've got plan B laid out, but they've got a kid who's having difficulty engaging. And notice how I'm wording that. I'm not saying he won't engage. I'm saying he's having difficulty engaging. What, what theories do you have about why that might be? Um, I, I suspect, although I'm probably wrong, that of most of those topics he's not really interested in talking about because there's, not really anything for him to um, to gain in in his mind anyway by talking about sleeping because it's working for him. Like he likes going to bed at one o'clock. So when I you know when I start to talk about it, first of all I think it's boring, and when things are boring to him, it becomes almost impossible for him to get through it. Whether it be having a conversation with me or 
uh, schoolwork or anything. So it's it's boring for him to talk about it. Um, I do think he also doesn't like to really talk about um, stuff we're having difficulty with. You know, again, we certainly do use Plan A once in a while because we can't live in Plan C and when Plan B is not working. Um, so I don't know if he thinks we're going to try to get him to do something, but I have assured him on many occasions, you know, I'm not going to do that. I just want to talk about it and hear what's going on for him so I can try to help and work things out. And what's his um, reaction when you do use Plan A? How does that go? It depends. I mean, the reason we're mostly in Plan G is because if we used more Plan A, he'd probably be in a psychiatric unit. Um, it could get really, really bad. Um, but there are times when he is responsive with mildly, you know, explosive behaviors, cursing, kind of throwing things. But we really use it very wisely because we don't want to, you know, wind up bringing him into a psychiatric unit. Um, yeah. Because so, we're using Plan A. Well, that's right. And, you know, this is the interesting thing is that there's a lot of folks out there who would have the mentality that the plan you ought to be using is Plan A. You ought to be imposing your will. You ought to be uh, using lots of punishment when your kid is having difficulty um, responding well to Plan A. Um, you know better. Good for you. There's some folks who don't know better yet. So, of course, th this conversation places you at great risk for being accused of being a wimp. But yeah. it sounds like you're not struggling with that, so we're not going to address that. Let me ask okay. you another question. When you're doing proactive Plan B with your son, to what degree does he know what it is that you wanted to talk with him about, and to what degree is it a truly planned discussion? Because there's, there's, there's a lot of people think that proactive Plan B means simply it's not occurring in the heat of the moment. But I actually like the idea of making an appointment with the kid so that there's a designated time that talking is going to occur, and he even knows what the topic is. Because there's some kids that even though Plan B is not occurring emergently, the topic mm -hmm. and the timing is still comes as a surprise to them. They weren't ready for it. It's not emergency Plan B. It's not occurring in the heat of the moment. But the fact that you're attempting to have a conversation still comes as a surprise. To what degree are you in make an appointment mode with him? I'm just trying to rule out things that could be coming into play that might be making it more difficult before we get to things that might be true about your son that are making it more difficult. But to what degree are these appointment proactive Plan Bs versus um, spur-of-the-moment proactive Plan Bs? They turn not to be appointment-based anymore. We did try that a little bit in the past, um, in the past past, maybe about a year ago, and we were struggling with it, but now I tend to try to do it if we're taking a car ride. I try to make appointments with him to, you know, I'd like to talk about so-and-so, you know, maybe we could talk about it when you get home from your sports activity. But he also has a lot of difficulty keeping appointments, like, because he becomes very distracted and he has a thought in his head and whether we have an appointment or not, it's that thought that he really needs to carry out at that moment. Yes. When you did it, on a um, on an appointment type basis, uh, and a lot of parents think, "What do you mean? I got to make an appointment with my kid to talk to him?" Well, sometimes if if your kid is not big on being surprised, and if you'd like to give your kid time to think about what you'd like to talk with him about ahead of time, yes, it might actually be a good idea to make an appointment ahead of time. But 
Um, did things go any better? Did you notice when you were when you were planning the proactive Plan Bs rather than springing them on him, or maybe you didn't do um, enough of them to notice a difference? I'm, I, it was a while ago when we were doing it. Um, they may have gone slightly better. The issues were different at that time as well. Um, I don't think they went significantly better, though. Okay. I mean, our appointments were, we used to do, like, he always, has always liked to stay up late. He has sleep issues. So, you know, we would stay up late and we'd make some tea and we would chat. But at that time, I didn't know so much about drilling, so we'd get stuck after our first two sentences, if I remember Got correctly. Yeah. Uh, now I understand drilling a little bit more, but it seems that if I try to drill, he really shuts down. He's, he says, you know, you're a million questionnaire, leave me alone, I can't talk about this, this is too much, you know, just leave me alone. All right, so he, he's actually giving us th- th- that comment that you're saying he makes, you're asking me too many questions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that's the risk in me talking more about drilling. And I, and I always tell people it's better to over-drill than to under-drill. And for those people who are listening to this program and um, are not familiar with the term drilling for information, this is when in the empathy step you have a kid talking, but um, so far you don't have the clearest possible understanding of his concern or perspective, so you're drilling for information. That's what this mom is referring to. Uh, but there are some kids whose parents take that over-drilling part to heart and um, overdo it with the questions. So it's something to keep an eye on. I, my general advice is still to have people over-drill than to under-drill, but certainly not in this case. So um, he's giving us some interesting information here that, quite frankly, talks me out of the belief that not talking about it is working for him. Because now he's sounding a little less um, manipulative and less coercive and he's actually saying something that I would be inclined to believe. I'm having okay. trouble participating in Plan B because I'm. this is a lot of questions for me, and or I'm having trouble answering them, and or I don't know the answer to a lot of them. Um, you're making me think here, and uh, these are things that are not on the tip of my tongue, not in the forefront of my brain. This is hard for me. Okay. And that is my usual, quite frankly, it's almost my exclusive mindset when I'm working with a kid who's having trouble participating in Plan B. I'm not thinking that not participating is working for him. That's actually a different mentality that tends not to serve people well. I, I, I would operate on the assumption that getting these problems solved would work for him too. So that's, that's sort of a mindset issue. Okay. But what I would be mostly homing in on is what is it, what demands does Plan B place upon your son that make it hard for him to participate? And let's think about what goes on in Plan B. We are um, asking a kid to focus. I don't know if you haven't told us anything about your son potentially having difficulty focusing or absolutely. paying attention for a long period of time. Oh, did you say absolutely? Yes. No, I, I, I mean, I, I stayed away from diagnosis because I know, you're not big on that, but I just will let you know. You know, he does have a diagnosis of ADHD, and okay. every single executive functioning weakness that you know that's out there in the literature presents itself in his life almost on a daily basis. So, does he take medicine to help him focus? He will not take. Medicine. He won't take it. Okay. No. So you have an you have a and we. I'm not allergic to the term ADHD. I, I just think it's a lot more uh, informative 
to say that a kid is having a lot of trouble focusing and a lot of trouble okay. sustaining attention. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm not allergic okay. to the term. But, uh, you know, if, if we have a kid here who um, is having trouble focusing and sustaining attention, um, and uh, if Plan B is not exactly his favorite activity, you know, there are kids who have difficulty focusing and difficulty paying attention who, if they're engaged in a preferred activity, can actually focus and pay attention. In fact, they may overfocus. And then uh, that same kid, if it's not a preferred activity, uh, is going to have trouble focusing. So we've now stumbled across one thing that your son, about Plan B, that might present significant challenges to your son. Here's another. Do, do, do you think, and I, I'm, I'm just taking a stab here at the things that are frequently getting in the way of a kid participating in Plan B. By the way, another thing that can frequently get in the way of a kid participating in Plan B is being feeling so overcorrected and overdirected over the years, and perhaps even overcriticized over the years, that they are misinterpreting Plan B as criticism or correcting or directing and they have, quite frankly, and many kids diagnosed with ADHD, uh, th- these are some of the most overcorrected, overdirected kids in, in, the, in the universe. And they become almost allergic to any kind of input because there's just been so much of it. What do you think of that one? Because i got another one. What do you think of that one? I think that could be a part of it, for sure. Okay. Because until he was eight, we were very much... Um, you know, knew we need to be consistent and stick with our rewards and consequences. And um, so until the age of eight, we were very consistent with that model and overcorrecting. And, um, yeah, he, he comes across difficulties every single day, you know, outside of the home where I'm sure he is, you know, it's happening in school right now as well. And on top of that, his perspective taking is, is not the best. So even, you know, if you look at him the wrong way, he says she just yelled at him. So I think that combination is probably lethal for him. Well, and it, uh, I think we've just stumbled across something else that could be coming into play when you're trying to do Plan B with him. If he's interpreting this as criticism, as more of the same, um, here's possibility number three. And I'm just throwing possibilities out there. I'm, I'm sort of naming the usual suspects here. Okay. Do, does your son have any language-based difficulties or difficulties in communication with words uh, because Plan B in its most typical variant requires linguistic give and take. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, anything? What's that? There's not an obvious language-based difficulty. Whether okay. or not there's some hidden underlying issues there, I'm not sure, but there's not an obvious. Um, Got it. So I've just named I've just named three of the usual suspects. Two two are ringing the bell, and one may not be ringing the bell. That's fine. It's not always all three. Truth is, only one of those three is often sufficient to making Plan B very difficult for a kid to do. Okay. So here's here's what I would recommend. Are you ready? I am absolutely ready. (laughs) Not knowing anything about you or your son beyond what you've described, and that's why I'm always uh, on shaky ground whenever I'm giving advice for kids that I haven't met. But I I think that this is is advice that will at the very least do no harm. Okay. I think that we may want to make an appointment with your son to talk about Mm -hmm. talking. Okay. To talk about talking. Um, And... um, 
I would make I, w- I would make this a planned proactive plan B, and say to him as not in the pr- plan B, but as an intro to the fact that you'd like to discuss this with him, that you've noticed that it's a little difficult for him when you want to talk with him, for him to participate. And I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't want this to sound like criticism and I don't want okay. this to sound like uh, you're being critical or um, mad or uh, you're not mad, he's not in trouble, but you do want to understand a little bit better why when you want to talk with him. That seems to be hard for him and um, it's difficult for him to participate. So you're not, I know you've got a, an impressive list of unsolved problems, attending school, which is a which is a very pressing one, by the way. Um, by the way, I was working with a kid yesterday who um, was refusing to go to school, and boy, was I amazed, as I always am, not at the fact that the kid had legitimate concerns, but just mm-hmm. that once we showed her that we were interested in hearing about them, um, just how legitimate they were, that this kid had some really valid reasons for being not particularly able to walk into school in the morning. And a bunch of unsolved problems, not just one, but like three or four unsolved problems that would stop any kid in their tracks from walking into school. Um, I'm going to assume that your son has legitimate concerns about attending school, but I don't want to talk about that one yet. The one that I would talk about first is talking. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, because I think that given that your primary uh, response to unsolved problems for the last three years has been C, Plan C, we've got to find out why he's having difficulty participating in Plan B, and we need to find out if there's a way for us to gather that information from him about what's hard about it and try to make Plan B. Now, once we understand what's hard for him about Plan B, Okay. How to make that more doable for him. And boy, you know what? Uh, your creativity here is the limit. Uh, there's people who don't do plan B in writing. Uh, there's people who don't do plan B verbally. They do it in writing. Okay. They do it by email. Um, but I don't want to make any suggestions on solutions. I'm, I'm, I'm committing one of the plan B crimes here. I don't want to think of solutions. I'm just letting you know that there's other ways to do plan B besides verbal give and take, which may be hard for your son, both from an attention span perspective and from a possibly, though it doesn't sound like it, from a language give and take perspective. The, The one, though, that could be most interesting is him misinterpreting Plan B as criticism or as correcting, and that would be a more interesting conversation, quite frankly. But as you can tell, as I always say, your solution is going to flow from the concerns of both parties, so I'm a little reluctant to suggest anything until we actually hear what it is about Plan B that's hard for him. Okay. I have this bad feeling that most of those unsolved problems on your list in the pile of unsolved problems may have to wait until we get a better handle on what's hard about Plan B for your son and come up with other ways of doing Plan B besides the way we're doing them right now. Okay. What do, you, what do you think of that? I'm certainly willing to try it for sure because I feel like what we're doing is not working. And um, 
I, I definitely, I know he has lacking skills, and, and again, I, I get this, and it makes sense to me, but the fact that it's not working is really frustrating. So, but I, I, I want to stick with it. I, you know, I can't give up on him, and I know the other approaches are either going to, like I said, lead to either psychiatric visits or, you know, see, I fear will lead us to the juvenile delinquent system at some point. So I feel like I have to get plan B going no matter what it takes. And that will have to, this is one of those cases in which before we can get to any of our other unsolved problems, Mm -hmm. we have to solve the unsolved problem of your son having difficulty um, participating in plan B. Okay. Now here's an offer. Try it. I will. Next week, call in. Oh, and by the way, for those who are listening live, um, this is the only week I think this is going to happen, but the program is not at 12 noon Eastern time next Tuesday. It's at 11 a.m. Eastern time next Wednesday because I have this commitment that I made many, many, many months ago at at 12 noon next Tuesday Eastern time. So this program will air live at 11 a.m. Eastern Time next Tuesday. It's the only time we're going to make the time change. Um, But I've got an offer for you. If you would um, give this a shot, call in in next week and let us know how it goes. Okay. I absolutely will. And I'm noticing from your area code that you don't live that far from where I am, which is the Boston area. Is that correct? Right. Not Um, like... You're not like in California. No, we're less than five hours away. That's a ways. Um, <laughs> the other, the other offer is um, if you're still having trouble finding out from your son why he's having difficulty participating in Plan B, then mm-hmm. by some mechanism or another, I'd be happy to try to find out with you, uh, with his participation, and uh, see if we can get this information. So whether it's in person with you uh, trekking up here to Boston or potentially by some other mechanism, um, we're going to get this job done. Okay. That that is great news. (laughs) Let's have you give it the old college try in the beginning. Let us know next week what happens. Or you can, if you don't want to come back on the program again, you can email me and let me know what happens. But, you know, I'm betting uh, hundreds of people listen to this program every week. Um, I'm betting that you've got people's curiosity up now. You certainly have my curiosity up, and I'm – Really interested to hear if this is something, your information your son is able to give us about why Plan B is hard for him. Okay. I will definitely keep you posted. Yes, it sounds like a great plan. Thank you so much for um, hosting this radio station and giving us this opportunity to get help with Plan B. My pleasure, and thank you so much for calling in today. No problem. Have a great day. You too. Um, Well, now that's uh, as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned, helping people do Plan B and troubleshooting What's getting in their way when they're trying it? Um, uh, maybe I lead a boring life, but that's one of my life's greatest thrills. Um, because if, if a kid is having trouble doing Plan B, we've got to figure out why. Uh, first, gut check number one is, are we doing it correctly? If we can rule that out, are we adults doing it correctly? Are we doing it proactively? Are we doing the three steps? Are we drilling for information well? All those things that go into doing Plan B well but then beyond that, um, if we're doing it like it ought to be done, uh, and we got that part cleared up, uh, how's the kid doing? Is there anything that's getting in the way for the kid? And that's what we are going to find out soon. I kind of can't wait um, to find out. And um, I'm always happy to lend a hand. 
um, if I can, to help people figure it out if they're having trouble doing it on their own. Uh, that's what this program's about. That's what helping people's about. That's what Lives in the Balance is about. I'm sorry to say our time is up for today. Thanks for listening. As always, hope you found the information today to be useful. And um, tune in next week. Once again, slight chime change next week for those of you listening live, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, not 12 noon Eastern Time, just for next Tuesday. Next Tuesday is September 28th. And uh, in the meantime, good luck with Plan B during the week. Let's see if I click the right button here to end the show. I think I'm in good shape. Have a great week. Talk to you next week.